All right, good morning. We were able to recover from those difficulties rather quickly. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. It's an honor to have you all here at Rock Hills. It's an honor to have you guys celebrating with us as, as we dedicate these babies to the Lord. To me, this is about family. This is about us growing together, being there for one another. And so that, that is a great example as we get ready to go into our next message because today we're going to be talking about church and what church truly means. We've been in this series called the Apostle, called Creed, talking about the Apostles' Creed. And up to this point, we've been talking about the characteristics of God and who God is and His relationship and His role and His identity. We started out by talking about God the Father, and then we talked about Jesus Christ, His Son, And then we talked about the Holy Spirit last week. So we've been looking at all these characteristics of God as He is three in one and how that relates to us and our relationship with Him. But today we're going to take a little bit of a turn as we go through the Apostles' Creed because it starts out, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ His Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then as we go through that, it gets to the next little section that says... I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And so if you're like me, you go, whoa, wait a minute. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I grew up Methodist in a Methodist church, and we would say the Apostles' Creed. And always as a kid, I was thinking, why in the world do we say I believe in the Holy Catholic Church? Now, if you grew up uh, and you've got a Catholic background, you may be elbowing your neighbors saying, see, I told you so. It's all about the Catholic Church. But this word here, let me, let me, I'm going to go a little bit heady on you today. And uh, I actually busted open a dictionary online anyway. And uh, I looked up the word Catholic for you. And uh, just if you've ever had a debate about this, all right, pronunciation here, you got Catholic or Catholic. Either way is correct, all right? So if you've ever had that debate or corrected somebody, no, it's not Catholic, it's Catholic or whatever. Either way, the dictionary says is correct. Here's what the word Catholic means. It means broad or wide-ranging in taste, interests, or the like. Having sympathies with all. Broad-minded, liberal. Or it means universal in extent, involving all and of interest to all. Or the third part here, pertaining to the whole Christian body or church. So even though we don't use it in this context in our society so much, the word Catholic means universal, pertaining to all Christians. Now, when you probably think of the word Catholic, you think of Roman Catholic, as in the denomination Roman Catholic. But when we, we're going through the Apostles' Creed, and if, you, if you're reading through the Apostles' Creed and you're like me, you've always gone, really? Catholic Church? That's what it means. It means the whole church. So as we're going through it, it means the whole church. Now, the other word there that can give you guys a little bit of pause is simply that word church. Because if you're like the people who fill our culture every day, the people that you work with, the people that live in your neighborhood, that word may not be such a great thing. And to you, that word may not be such a great thing, even though you're here this morning. But church is what we're going to look at today. Now, if I were to go out on the street and I were just to start picking people at random, go down to North Star Mall or whatever, pick people at random and say, when I tell you the word church, what do you think of? 
What answers do you think I would get? I would probably get judgmental, greedy, irrelevant, hypocritical. Am I right? I mean, if we were just to ask your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, we would probably get a lot of responses like that. What, unfortunately, we probably wouldn't hear are, those are the most loving, kind, helpful people that I have ever met in my life. Those people that go to church. Now, that's unfortunate Because when the Bible describes who we should be as Christians, it says that there should be fruit in our lives, right? If we're connected to God, our life should be producing something, just like a tree bears fruit. The Bible says that because we are Christians, because we believe in Christ, because we are a part of this, it should be evident in our life that we we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When people think of people that go to church, that's exactly what they should think of. They're the most loving. They are the kindest. They are the gentlest. They are the most patient. They have the most self-control out of any people that I have ever known. But if we're to be real honest, the church has developed a little bit of a reputation, hasn't it? If we are to look at the church, your interaction in church, maybe that you've had over your life, and if it's not you... You definitely know people. Then when they think of church, that's not what they think of. The church has developed a little bit of a reputation. It's not entirely accurate because some of it comes from their own wounds or or just impressions that they've been given. But if we're to be real honest, there's a lot of truth to that. Then when we look at the church, it is full of hypocritical people. It is full of people that can be judgmental. It is full of people that have hurt other people. I heard a story about a mom who went in to wake up her son one morning to go to church. She went in and she shook him. She said, come on, it's time to get up. Let's go to church. He just rolled over and pulled the covers back over his head. So she did what any mom would do. She shakes him again, says, get up. It is time to go to church. Finally, the son had had enough. He pulled the covers down. He said, mom... I'm not going to church. And I'm not going for two reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. And number two, they don't like me. And he pulled the covers back over his head. And then she turns on the mom powers and she starts using that voice. You know what I'm talking about? She uses that voice and she pulls the covers back down and she says, Listen to me, you will go to church today and I'll give you two reasons why. Number one, you are 45 years old. And number two, you are the pastor. Now, I got to tell you, even as a pastor, and I, I started, I've known since I was in high school that I wanted to be a pastor. I knew that I wanted to be a part of church and a part of helping people. And so I've been doing this all of my adult life. But even as a pastor, I've experienced to some degree the ugly side of church. Just to be real and raw with you guys this morning... My family, in coming here, we love coming to church. We love being a part of what God is doing here at Rock Hills. But we got to put our bandages on a little bit before we come because we've got some wounds, and they're still healing. And there are wounds just from being involved with people in the church. And maybe you've been there too. And as we talk about church today, as I was preparing for this message, I just felt this burden in my heart 
that I can't just go on and talk about the, the church without addressing this issue. Because some of you here are wounded. And you've been wounded by experiences that you've had in the church. People that you've encountered in the church. And that could be something as simple as that person just didn't sit well with me. Or the pastor didn't say hello to me one day. I've, believe me, I've heard it all about why people get mad and want to leave the church. But there are really some legitimate reasons too. Where people in church, because when you put flesh and blood in any sort of power, they can get hungry for power. And people can hurt people and take advantage of people and take advantage of their position. And I just want to take a second as a pastor and say to you, and I can't, I can't even see your eyes really right now, but if I could look in every one of your eyes, I want you to know that if you have been hurt by the church on behalf of a pastor speaking for a church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if nobody ever responded to you with the issue that you were having, or if you felt rejected or alone, if you felt betrayed by the church, I want you to know that I am sorry as a pastor, and I want you to know that you are welcome here. And here's the real reason I want you to know that, is because the church is God's idea. And unfortunately, speaking on behalf of pastors, sometimes we mess that up. But we don't want to stand between the way of you and what God can do in your life because God wants you to be a part of the church. So if you're here today with some wounds, I want you to know you're in a good place because God can heal those wounds. And Jesse had a, had a great example of you're, you're in a place where you can be not all together and you can throw up if you need to throw up because you're in the presence of a father who absolutely loves you and will see you through those situations and those hurts. Despite all the things that you may have experienced in church and despite the things that I have been through in church, and I, like I said, I've seen it all. Despite those things, I can tell you I absolutely love the church. And I told you when I was in high school, I felt like I was supposed to go into ministry. I started as soon as I entered college doing student ministry. I've been doing this for over 20 years now in, in a variety of different roles at different places in different cities. And I can tell you, I love the church today just as much as I love the church the first day I felt that calling in my life. And that's because I have the opportunity to see what the church truly can be. Despite the church's flaws, where people get involved and sometimes we get our focus in the wrong place or make the wrong choices, despite those flaws, the church is still a beautiful thing. And I want you guys to know, I want you to hear from me, my commitment is to help this to be the healthiest church that it possibly can be. I want to strive to be committed to ministry, to see the church be the best that it possibly can be. I've committed my life to that up to this point, and I'll continue to do that. That's why I guard my life in a lot of ways, because I don't want anything to keep me, to disqualify me from helping the church to be healthy. You see, church is God's creation. It's never gone away, and it never will go away. Despite the checkered things, even the atrocities that have been done throughout history in the name of God and in the name of the church, the church continues to go on. And I love that 
in the church, even with some of the mistakes, God continues to raise up new leaders who will help the church get back on track. One thing I love about the church is even though there have been some mistakes, God continues to raise up people and continues to raise up churches. And I've seen addicts set free. I've seen people come to know the Lord. I've seen whole families come to the place where they can experience God and know Him. One of my greatest joys in life is just when you see people coming to church and all of a sudden that light bulb comes on and they begin to realize who they are in Christ. They begin to understand how much God loves them and adores them and that God does have a purpose for their life and that they can begin to live in that purpose. So because of that, I love the church. I love what the church is doing here in San Antonio. And I say that the church as a whole. I love what Rock Hills Church specifically is doing here in San Antonio. I love that we help churches around the world. I love that church looks differently all around the world. I had an experience I'll tell you guys about. I took a a group of college students several years ago to China. And uh, we got to take Bibles across into China, uh, which was fun. I felt like James Bond sneaking through and all that kind of stuff. But that's a story for another time. And then we got to go meet with the underground church because they're not allowed just to have a service like we get to enjoy here. But we got to meet with this underground church. One of the services we went to was in a room literally about the size of this stage with at least as many people uh, as there are you guys out there in the audience packed into a room, shoulder to shoulder, no air conditioning, and there was no cultural, hey, we'll be done in an hour and you can go eat lunch. It was, hey, we're here, we want to be here as long as we can, worship as much as we can, and would you come speak to us? Then I got to go to another service. We got on a bus. I'll tell you about this picture right here. We got on a bus and we drove for a while and all of a sudden the bus driver stops And he lets us out, and it looks like we're just in the middle of pasture land. And uh, we've got a guy who's leading us, and I'm like, are you sure we're in the right place? But we get out, and we start to walk through these pastures, literally rice paddies. And we're walking, and the path gets narrower and narrower, till literally we're just walking on this little strip of dry dirt, and there's water and rice all around us. And as we walk for about probably a mile, all of a sudden we can hear singing. I was like, hey, do you guys hear that? And we keep walking. And then you can see a little barn, a shed out in the pasture. And we come around the corner, and this is what I see right here. It's a group of ladies who have come together, and they are worshiping, and they're praising God. They were even even singing some courses that we could recognize them, but they were singing them in Mandarin. And so it was just the coolest thing. I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't understand what they were singing But I understood the spirit of God was there. Just real quick to tell you about a few of these people. Uh, This first lady that we're going to highlight right here. This lady was beaten with a chair the night before because her son-in-law told her she was not allowed to go to the Christian service. And she got up and she went. Anyway, this next lady, she walked three and a half hours just to come and sit in this church service. And this third lady over here on the right side, she was known as the village crazy woman. Literally did absolutely insane things until she met Jesus and her entire life changed. It's so cool to see how God can be working here in San Antonio. God can be working in a rice field in China because the church, when it is what it's supposed to be, is is God moving in his people and it's real and it's authentic. 
So when we talk through the creed about I believe in the church that is here in San Antonio, the church that is in China, the church that is in Honduras, the church that is around the world, this is what we're talking about. So I want to try to ask you guys, if you could, I I don't want to uh, discard the issues that you've had because those issues are real and I believe that God wants to heal those issues. But I do want to ask you, if you could just set them in the chair next to you and say, God, would you show me today what the church is truly supposed to be and what we can be as a church? Just to give you a bigger picture of this, let me give you a quick history. If we rewind all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, right? Genesis, and God created man and he created woman. Their names were Adam and Eve. Very good. You all get 100 for the day. You pass the test. Here they are. So we created, he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve had, had this relationship with God where they could speak to him. They had relationship with him. And then along comes Eve with the apple and says, Hey, Adam, why don't you take a bite of this? And then sin enters the world. Right? And the relationship with God all of a sudden changed. Because what was supposed to be perfect has now had imperfection. All right? Once again, when you put flesh and blood in a situation as humans... We tend to mess things up. Adam and Eve did the same thing. It's been happening since the beginning of time. So Adam and Eve messed things up. And then we go on. All of a sudden, a few years later, generations later, we've got Abraham. And Abraham comes along and he sets up a new covenant with God. And in this covenant with God, we're able to interact with God. But really, it's not all of us. What happens are they set up sacred places where you could then go and meet with God. But not just anybody could go there, and not just anybody could understand things. Because in these sacred places, you also had sacred texts. And these sacred texts could only be read by sacred men. So you had sacred texts in sacred places that were read by sacred men. And that is how you were able to have this relationship with God. You had to have it through the sacred man who interpreted the sacred text from the sacred place. But that wasn't God's ultimate plan. Because Jesus comes along in the New Testament to then establish a new covenant, a new promise. Now, he's not disregarding the old promise because God was working through that situation and that covenant that that's set up in the Old Testament. But Jesus comes along to fulfill everything that was in the Old Testament And then start a new covenant in the New Testament. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 5.17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. So Jesus comes along to fulfill the old way. Where it had to be sacred men, sacred text, sacred places. And he establishes a new way where now every single one of you can interact with God. Because Jesus is the sacrifice that is between us. Matthew 16, 16. He begins to put this into place. He's walking along with the disciples one day. And he's saying, who do people say that I am? And he's going to begin to describe this new covenant, this new movement that he's setting up. 
Peter responds to him in Matthew 16, 16. It says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now Peter responded to Jesus and said, This is who you are. You are truly God. Jesus responds back to Peter and says, And you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And this is where we begin to see the word church that we're talking about today. And it says, the powers of hell will not conquer it. I like the way the message translation says it. It says this, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now that word church that we see in in this scripture, and then it's the same word used all throughout the New Testament, this word is barely even a noun. It's almost even more of a verb because it describes this group of people that are in action. Here's what that word is in Greek. It is called ekklesia. Ekklesia. And here's what it means. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. An assembly of people convened at a public place for a purpose. So here's what the word church in the New Testament means. It means, come on, I want you to come and be a part of this movement. And this is what Jesus is establishing. He's telling Peter, I'm going to establish a movement through you. And what's going to happen in this next season after I'm crucified? I'm going to establish a movement through you that everybody can come and be a part of. So when he calls Peter the rock, he's not saying this is a rock like uh, uh, that we're going to build on and it's just going to stay there. He's more like saying this is a rock. And he takes it and skips it across the lake and it skips across and it creates a ripple and a ripple and a ripple that just goes on and on and on. Jesus is saying, I am building a movement with this new covenant of what the church is supposed to be. You see, the church is always, it's supposed to be a movement. Uh, I'm going to fix this stand here real quick before I lose this. I'm going to get rid of this stand real quick. How about that? It's always been supposed to be a movement. The early church, when they met, they gathered together and they worshipped God. They were giving and they were serving. It was about coming together to be a part of what God was doing in their lives. This word, ecclesia, church, it was never meant to be a building. It was never meant to be a place. The early church had no concept of, hey, are you going to church today? It's not a place that you went to. It was something that you were a part of. Even in that first few hundred years after Jesus died and the church was beginning to grow, they never would have sent out a mailer and said, hey, come to church this Sunday. They wouldn't have put a sign out on the street that said, hey, this church meets here, or put a post up on Facebook saying, hey, come check out my church this weekend. Why would they not do that? Because Christians were being thrown to the lions. So you didn't, you didn't just publicize, hey, come and meet me at this place. You didn't want them to know where you were meeting. 
Just like that church that you saw a picture of in China, they were meeting from house to house in different places and on hillsides so that they could be a part of this movement. And then something happens about 300 A.D. or so, give or take a few years. The Roman government decides to make Christianity the official religion, which seems like a pretty cool thing, right? Yeah, we won a victory. Now we are the official government, uh, the official religion of the Roman government. But here's what that meant. The Roman government now had control. And they said, this is where you will meet. This is when you will meet. This is what you will say. This is what you will not say. So all of a sudden, the government had control of everything that was going to happen in and through the church. And they, they developed a word for church, and that is this. It's an old Visigoth term, kerche. Can I have a bless you or something? I sneezed. Uh, kerche is the word, and it literally meant the house of the Lord. So in, in those early days... When you were talking about church, it was kerche, and that meant the house of the Lord. Now, do you see what just happened? Church became a place. It became a building. It became a location. Now, you can probably look at that word and see the modern English derivative, which is church, right? That's where we get our word church. And so it's not so far off that when we talk about church, we're usually talking about the house, the location, the building of the Lord, rather than what Jesus had originally established, which was the movement of the new covenant, the movement of what God is doing in his, in through his people. Now, even if I decided just for fun, if you go on Google and you search images and you just say church, here's the first page it comes up with, right? If I search church, this is what I find, buildings. In our culture, when we talk about church, most people are going to think of a place, a building. But it was never meant to be a building. Now, let me throw in a side note here. A building is a great, great tool to have. When you have a building, there's all kinds of things that you can do. You have a place where you can meet. You have a place where you can get together for band rehearsal. You have a place where you can get together... And, and have celebrate recovery meetings. You have a place where you can invite people to. You've got an established place where people can know, hey, that church means there. And just in our culture, America 2016, it says something to people when you have a building versus just being in a cafeteria. Am I right? I mean, it, it says something when you can bring your kids to the kids' class rather than, hey, we're going to meet in the gym. Now, I say all that just because I want you to know someday we do want to have a building, but a building is not what this is about. Now, I will tell you guys this. I got an inside tip that there is a vintage property downtown. I don't know if we can get it or not, but I did take a picture. I, I don't know. I think it would be pretty sweet, though. Here's the deal. The church is not a building, but a building is a fantastic tool to be able to do what the church is called to do, to reach people. So what I want you to understand today is that this is about a movement. 
Would we love to have a building someday so that we can increase that movement? Yes, absolutely. But will we let that limit us from being the hands and feet of Jesus, whether we're in a school cafeteria or a theater like we were back in the old days where we have our own place? No, we are committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus no matter what place that we are meeting in. So this church, the ecclesia, the movement of God is alive and it's intended to be active and with purpose. No one in the early church attended church. They were a part of a movement. I describe it this way. You don't attend a family. You're a part of a family. That's what we want here at Rock Hills. We don't want people just to show up and attend. We want you to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church. There's a great description of this in the New Testament about a visual picture of what this ecclesia is supposed to be like. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, bear with me as I, I read through this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of you are Jews and some of you are Gentiles. Some of you are slaves and some of you are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If a foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would, would it make any less sense, uh, any le- would it make it any less part of the body? If the whole body... Were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each of us where He wants us. How strange a body would be if it were only one part. And then in verse 27, it says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. If you're a believer, you are a part of the ecclesia, and you are supposed to be the body. Of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus. Here's what that means you have a place, every body part has an assigned place, right? You have a place, you belong. You're supposed to be part of the body of Christ. But not only do you have a place, not only does each body part have a location, it also has a function. So not only do you have a place, but you have a purpose. A calling. There's a reason why you're here. And I will say, if this isn't the church that God wants you to be in, be in the church that God wants you to be in. Be a part of it. Be a part of the movement. Because God has a place and a purpose for you. A place to belong and a calling that He wants for you to fulfill through the church. You have a personal relationship with God and individual responses to God. You should. You should be spending time with God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You need to be doing that on your own, but you also need to be interacting with God as the people of God. You see, church was never meant to be a me thing. It's just me. It was meant to be a we thing. It's us with all of our imperfections, with everything uh, that we have wrong with us. We are the church. And God is making us into perfection. It's not about you, it's about we. And God has set us in place 
as his body. You are a part. We all have a function and a purpose. Every believer is a part and every part matters. Now, you don't have to be an MD to know that if you have a part of your body that ceases to function, it's going to cause a problem, right? And if it ceases to function, not only is it going to cause a problem for that part of your body because it's going to begin to die, but it's going to begin to infect all the other parts around it. We're not intended to just attend. We're, we're not intended to just attend. We're intended to function and to be a part. Because if we don't, then it dies. Uh, on the same note, a part of the body is never intended to remove itself. And you may have been in that place before where you just say, man, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm tired of church. I've given up on church, but I haven't given up on God. I'm just going to separate myself and seek God somewhere. And God can still, he will still love you. Absolutely. He will still work in your life. But you will be missing the fullness that God desires for your life. Uh, when I was a kid, I told this story a couple of months ago. But I, used to, I lived out in the country and I used to love to, when I would see a rattlesnake, run and grab a hoe, chop that head right off that rattlesnake. If you've ever done that or seen that, you know it's the freakiest thing because after the body is separated from the head, it continues to move for quite a while. And it looks alive, but it's not alive. And it won't last long. You take a coal out of a fire, it's going to continue burning for a while, but eventually it dies out. This was never meant to be a me thing where I separate myself and I'll seek God by myself. God's desire is that we would be the body of Christ and the body has to be together. It cannot be disassembled. The church will never be all that it could be without you. That's why you are important to us and you matter to us because Rock Hills will never be all that it could be without you. Not just you being here, but you doing what God has called you to do what God has put within your heart. Your church will never be all that it could be without you. Being a part of a church helps me to know God. When I'm a part of a church, I can come here, I can hear the word of God, I can worship. It draws me closer to the Lord. The Bible tells us that when you draw close to God, He will draw near to you. When we come together and worship corporately, we get to know God better. Also, being a part of a church Helps me to connect with other believers. And that's what God intended for us. That's why we have events where we can get together and connect. It's great to come and be a part of those. The church helps me to grow spiritually. And the church also helps me to discover my purpose. That's what we want to commit to you guys to doing as a church. We want to help you to know God. We want to help you to connect with others. We want to help you to grow spiritually and discover the purpose that God has for you. Beginning in October, we're going to start a brand new class that will meet right after service for about 30 minutes, right around the corner in room 20. It's called Next Steps, where we're going to tell you exactly these four things. How can you know God? How can you connect with others? How can you grow spiritually? How can you know the purpose that God has for your life? We're committed to doing that for you guys because we want to be the church. Now, I do want to say we're going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. 
There'll be times when you're frustrated with us because we're doing too much or we're not doing enough or you wish we were in a building, you wish we weren't in a building. There's always going to be people and, and it's not exactly what you want it to be. We're going to let you down, but I want to encourage you, we are going to be the church and we're committed to being the absolute healthiest church that we can be. Uh, one last scripture here, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip people to do God's work. To build up the, bo- the church, the body of Christ. So it's saying there's two groups of people here. There are the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets. Basically the coaches. Alright, so that's my role. My role is to help equip you and prepare you. So you've got the coaches and then you've got the believers who are going out and building the body of Christ. So it gives us another image of what the church, the body of Christ should be. There's coaches who equip you and then those of us who go out and we do what we're called to do. Now, what you don't see here are any fans. There's nobody who just shows up and watches. In other words, we want you all to be a part of all that God is doing. And I will say for a time, your part may just be, man, I need to come and get healthy. But for some of you, it may be time that you need to step up and say, what can I do to help? Where can I serve? How can I, can I help in our kids? Can I help with greeting? Can I help with production? Or maybe it's not even within these four walls. Maybe it's like some of you are doing serving, serving the homeless, serving at nursing homes, singing to cancer patients, and all the great ministries that come right here out of Rock, Rock Hills Church. We need to be the body and we need to be in action. We, we need more people to step up, honestly, so that we can reach more people. Everybody builds the body. Together, we can do more. Together, we can be the church. So I want to ask you guys, let's be the church together. Let's reach our city. Let's continue to reach the world. And let's continue to build the body of Christ. Jesse, you can come on up. I do want to let you guys know, we've got some exciting stuff coming up uh, here in the next few weeks as we just prepare to reach our community in a whole new way, as we prepare to give you guys new opportunities to grow in your spiritual walk in a new way. So as we close, let's just do this. Would you stand with me and let's worship together. This is us, the body of Christ, worshiping.